You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky Season 3, Episode 3. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Our guest today will be Frank Corrado from the Maple Leaf Broadcast crew that I work on on TSN 1050, former Leaf defenseman. Before we get going, hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 in any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win or how many goals will be scored and more for your shot at even bigger payouts. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. The code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So here we sit. The Leafs are now enjoying a two-game sojourn to Gravenhurst to get set for their final two preseason games and then on to the regular season. Friday night, they play in Detroit Saturday at home to Detroit, and I'm told that the Leafs will have a Marlies-like squad against a full Detroit squad on Friday night and Saturday, full Leafs against a Red Wing farm team-type squad uh, at home at Scotiabank Arena, and that's it. The regular season opens in Montreal Wednesday, October 12th, and so far in camp, they're 4-1 and five games played, and everything is looking good. We've talked about this before, and we'll get into this with Frank Corrado very shortly. I like the depth. Uh, I like the defense. I like the forwards and all kinds of variables up front, and the goaltending, which was an elephant in the room, has quietly become a very positive story. Now, look, I know it is the preseason, but there are a lot of things here that are tracking in the right direction, not in terms of who gets the goals, but how the team plays. Pretty good defensive record. If I go through my notes, I believe in the five games the Leafs have played, let me see if I'm absolutely correct here, that would mean that the Leafs have outscored their opposition 20-9. to That's pretty darn good. Well, that's what I think. Here's the conversation I had with my broadcast partner on TSN 1050 Leaf coverage, Frank Corrado. All right, Frankie C., from what we've seen in our preseason coverage for the Leafs, things are looking pretty good. I like the defensive story. How about you? Yeah, there's there's been a few good stories. I mean, when, when you look at the back end, um, I, I feel like we're going to see a little bit of continuity with Morgan Riley uh, playing with TJ Brody, I guess, off, off the hop. But, you know, with the injuries that they've had, you've seen guys step up. And, um, you know, you're not going to have Timothy Lilligren for the next little while. I think Jake Muzzin is probably going to step in at some point and start playing some games. It's going to be interesting to see how Rasmus Sandin does playing the right side um, because we know someone has to do it. Morgan Riley's been taking some some practice reps on the right side, and I think that just speaks to his character and his understanding, his leadership, his ownership of this team and saying, hey, we need someone to do it. I'll at least give it a shot. Um, you know, for me, Rasmus Sandin can really – 
Um, you know, not, not that he's built up any bad rapport, but, you know, after missing some training camp and having the, the contract holdout, he can come in here and play the right side and give you quality minutes. And he could, that could do a lot for, you know, his, his goodwill for the team. So, um, and, and we know what we're going to get from TJ Brody. Um, the one surprise out of training camp, Jimmy is Victor Mete. I feel yeah. like for me, he was a guy who was probably eighth or ninth on this depth chart behind Jordy Ben and Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. And with the injuries that have kind of happened, it's allowed him to a play may war way more in the preseason than he might have and play quality minutes. And what's that that's done is he's showed that, that he can handle it in the preseason. And, you know, instead of being the second guy called up, he's probably going to be playing pretty soon. It might not be opening night, but he's at least put himself in that conversation. So, you know, there's another example of a guy who plays his way into the equation through training camp um, and you know what, we'll, we'll get a chance to see Muzzin and Sandine and, and see how that goes. And, um, but there's, you know, there's, there's still going to be a, a little bit of a question mark here as far as, um, you know, is, is it physical enough? Is there enough abrasiveness for me? They move the puck plenty well. Um, and, and that's not going to be an issue. Um, so they'll, they'll just have to, you know, pick up where they left off last year, um, as far as not giving up as many grade A chances. Yeah. The Mete story is interesting. You know, young defenseman, sometimes you have to be in the right spot at the right time. And I don't know if that was Montreal or Ottawa, but, but clearly here, his skill set that fits in and you like what the coaching staff has, has said about his skill set and how that that's an add to what they already have, which is kind of a remarkable statement, isn't it? It, it was a little interesting. And you talk about being at the right place at the right time. I actually thought when he signed with Toronto, it wasn't a great fit because when you look at their depth chart, they have so many guys who do what he does, except a little bit better with a little more NHL experience or a little more pedigree. And you know what? To, to his credit, you know, he signs here in Toronto. The injuries have happened. He's played really well throughout the preseason. You can see that he's earned some trust. And so, you know, you got you got to hit, give him credit for believing that this was the right spot and taking that opportunity. Um, and, and, and he'll have opportunities to, to keep doing that as the season goes on, because, Hey, you know, the way it is, you know, jobs, jobs are lost. Jobs are won. If you're playing really good, the, the coach's decision to take you out of the lineup, that, that decision is made by the players essentially, right? Like, you know, as much as the coaches are the ones drawn up the, the lineup sheet, it's your play that determines what he's going to do. And, you know, give him credit. He's done a good job. Yeah, you know, and when I'm talking about defense, not necessarily just the uh, the defenseman, but uh, there's some forwards here that are emerging with good play away from the puck, and Robertson seems to lead the way there, doesn't he? Well, Robertson has definitely improved away from the puck, and I think that's something that Sheldon Keefe would like to see even more from him because if if he's going to be playing on your second line, there's there's certain responsibilities that come with that, and. You know, it's it's different. He's not a guy who's going to play in your bottom six necessarily. He could spot in on the third line and, you know, that would be fine. He's still going to get offensive chances and, you know, you might play against a little lesser competition. He's not a fourth line player, so we can't expect to see him there. We can't see him to put up op- offensive production there. But from what we've seen from him offensively, he's done a really good job as the preseason has gone on, adding little elements to his game, retrieving pucks, hounding pucks. 
uh, a lot of pursuit on on four checks and protecting pucks. And, you know, you package that up playing with William Nylander, who has had who has probably been the Leafs best player in every game he's played in the preseason. You know, they're starting to look good together. They're starting to understand how to read off each other and, and, and essentially how to get pucks back and, and prolong offensive, um, you know, offensive zone time. So, you know, I, I think as you know, you, you want Nick Robertson to be that offensive guy, you want him to get his shot off. There just needs to be the right balance of, okay, being on the right side of the puck, being patient, but also going hard and getting it. And so I, I think, listen, for me, he's done a really good job of all the things he can control and, you know, that would lead me to believe that when you see this much progression, um, you know, throughout a, a preseason or a training camp, you can probably expect to see some progression throughout the regular season as well. That's just a guy who, uh, you know, and this is a this is a process. Not everybody can do this. Uh, when you're talking about playing on the left side of that second line, it's a specific role. You're there to complement and add to, not compete with what's already there. And, and I think you can go back over the last couple of camps and see a difference in, in Nick Robertson in terms of him understanding what he has to do to, to sort of complement what's there. It almost feels like it's the first time in Nick Robertson's tenure as a, as a Maple Leaf, he doesn't look hesitant. You know, he, he looks like he's very sure of himself. He seems, he feels like everywhere he's going on the ice, he's doing it with a little more purpose, a little more conviction. And that's part of the maturing process, right? I, I think, you know, a young player, you arrive onto the scene a little earlier than maybe you, 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 you were scheduled to because you were, such a prolific goal scorer and junior and you put yourself on the map here in this market. But, you know, to, to his credit, you know, he's, he's a 21 year old player and he's shown signs of growth. And, you know, we've been talking about him for a long time because of his past, but you know, if, if you can continue to see this growth and see him kind of blossom into this top six forward, I mean, that's, that's going to solve a lot of problems for the Maple Leafs internally. If, if you don't have to, rely on going outside of the team um, onto the trade market or free agent market to find that, that answer on the second line to play with Nylander, to play with Tavares. Um, man, that solves a lot of problems for these guys. You know, you and I are going to talk a lot about depth, and I just have this funny feeling that, uh, you know, there's going to be some injuries here, and, and what I like in camp, and we've talked about this before, is the depth, the layers of depth. Now, not by draft, but by signings from, you know, people that weren't qualified or or PTOs or, or just free agents. But if I list off these names, Aston Reese, uh, Holmberg, Obey Cabell, uh, Morgan, Godet, I mean, these are, these are nice ads, and they add a layer there that they didn't really have before. Uh, it, it just tells me that instead of figuring out who's on the fourth line, they know, and they have backups, and the third line is actually, you know, a little stronger than, than it would have been. And that, that's quite a statement based on no Mikheyev. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing, you mentioned, you know, we're not necessarily talking draft picks. Well, this team has been in essentially win-now mode since they've signed John Tavares, and they haven't gotten out of the first round. But that doesn't mean that they haven't given up assets at every trade deadline, right? Like every yeah. year, they're a team that that is in the mix and, and, you know, finishes fairly high in the standings. And so you are giving up assets. So, yes, when you look at the Leafs roster and you see – free agent, free agent, free agent, free agent, trade, trade. You know, you're not seeing a lot of drafted guys. But to, to Kyle Dubas's credit, for, for the drafted players they have traded, um, they've done a really good job at the value signings, right? We look back at Michael Bunting last year. There's a great value signing. And this year, you know, for, for, for me, a guy who really stands out is Zach Aston-Reese, and you're getting him on a PTO. 
And we're probably, by the time this podcast comes out, he could have signed an NHL contract, right? But yeah. he, for me, he's a guy who really, who understands what his game is, doesn't play outside of it, doesn't think he needs to be playing higher in the lineup. I think he, he does his job. He does it well. He understands that. And he has a little bit of an offensive flair. And we know that that's important to play on this Maple Leafs team. There's two things. Two things as a depth forward that you need to understand if you're if you want to play on this team, you have to have the foot speed. We've seen it year in and year out. Players who come in and don't have the foot speed have a hard time playing this system and keeping up to the pace this team plays at and being able to prolong plays with the puck. You need to the, the puck cannot die on your stick. And he does that well. I think Obey Kubel is starting to do that well or starting to show signs of that, along with his a little bit of his physical edge and Dennis Malgin is, is quite good with the puck the, the interesting thing with Dennis Malgin is where does he fit on your roster because he's not going to be playing in your top six and when you look at that third line with David Kampf and Kelly Yarncrock and you know when Pierre Engvall is healthy that's pretty full there so are you talking about Dennis Malgin on on the fourth line where you're going to have Zach Aston Reese and Obey Kubel and, you know, who's your fourth line center right now? Adam Gaudet, for me, unfortunately, hasn't done enough in the preseason for, for me to think that that he's earned that spot. So maybe a guy like Holmberg, who, you know, I kind of see yeah. a little bit of Par Lindholm. Remember that guy? And yeah. he went to Boston after. He just kind of has that, that same kind of skating style. He's strong on the puck. Uh, protects it really well. Very simple game, like meat and potatoes game, but that's okay because that's all you're looking for out of that fourth line is just, you know, shift some momentum, crash and bang a little bit, play with the puck, cycle the puck, protect it, um, and then uh, uh, ultimately set up your top two lines to get back to work offensively. So, you know, there is some depth. There is a little bit of a puzzle that's happening here as far as where guys fit and what their role is. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for someone like Malgin, who has the skill, has been scoring goals, but does he fit in your bottom six? Well, and, you know, we're talking about a, a lineup here that is a training camp lineup, and, and there are some injuries with a healthy Tavares uh, playing with Nylander. Uh, you wonder who's on that left side. I mean, we could go through any number of names here. And if it's not Kerfoot, where does he play? Because if he's on the bottom six, I mean, that bumps somebody else out. I mean, there, there's depth on that bottom six. And, and what I like is, I think if we went back two years ago, we'd be talking about Kerfoot as the Swiss Army knife on the team, and he'd be the only one. With this roster, there, there might be four or five of those Swiss Army knives. Yeah, there's there's a lot of versatility. And, and we see a guy like Alex Kerfoot, who's a great example, who in this preseason, he's played wing, he's played center, and he's played defense which is no <laughs> no easy feat, right? And and even, you know, Callie Yarncroft is a guy who can play his offside. We, there, there's there's a lot of that that versatility lower in the lineup. And I think that's a good thing to have because if, you know, you see the way seasons go now, 82 games is such a grind and, and these guys go through so much and there's going to be times where guys are out. Look at now already before the season has started, the laundry list of injuries that the Leafs have had and that's just that's pre-training camp. That's right. leading up to it. Guys are getting hurt. And with the with how fast the game is now, how demanding the game is now, you have to train a certain way. You have to train at a certain intensity. And that comes with consequences. You're walking a fine line there. So, you know, you have to kind of budget for missing a certain amount of man games per season, 
no matter how good your training staff or your sports science staff or whatever you're doing off the ice is, it's just inevitable. There's going to be a certain amount of man games missed. And so, you know, the, the more versatility you have lower in the lineup, the more you can plug and play. I think that's something that the Pittsburgh Penguins are kind of the gold standard of for me in, in the National Hockey League is that plug and play model. You're hurt. Okay, we have someone to fit that role right here. And, and they've been successful. They've made the playoffs. And, you know, they haven't gotten out of the first round in a little while, similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But for regular season, for, for this, the, the purpose that that serves, there's going to be plenty of guys, you know, on this team or within the organization who you can plug and play in certain scenarios. And, you know, you'll still be able to win hockey games. Well, look, we're not anointing uh, any success here, and we're not predicting a, a deep run in the playoffs, but we are happy with the depth. And, and here's what I'm going to say. When you go back over those um, first-round playoff disappointments, here's the question. Did the Leafs ever have the best fourth line in any of those series? And the answer would be no. Uh, when you look at this lineup, that fourth line has options. And, and it, uh, we used to spend a lot of time on the pregame show wondering who the add-on was to bring physical edge to that fourth line. I don't think you have to worry about that now. Well, you, you don't have to worry about it. And we just talked about the Leafs lineup and we talked about the fourth line. And we didn't even mention two players who should be in the mix, in the equation to play on that fourth line. And it's Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford. Right. And when you talk about the, you know, the, the, I guess the tenacity that they play with or the physical presence is probably uh, a little more of a fitting term that those guys play with. You know, it, it's, it, it, it provides uh, an interesting angle for them because do you want to go with a guy like Obey Kubel or do you want to go with Wayne Simmons? And on the left side, do you want Zach and Aston Reese or do you want Kyle Clifford? You know, it's not, not to say that there's no right answer or wrong answer, but it, there, you're going to have different looks on that fourth line. And depending on who you're going to be playing, you know, you can mix and match how you see fit. Um, for me, I, I would have a hard time not having Wayne Simmons on this team. I understand the foot speed might not be where it used to be, but he, he does a lot for me um, on the ice and off the ice. I think he provides a big presence on the bench, in the locker room. Um, and, you know, if you ever just kind of isolate Wayne Simmons and watch him play, he does so much around the game that would just drive you nuts if you're playing against him. And I can tell you firsthand, I, I've played against the guy and, you know, you, you go back for a puck and you just know, you just know you're going to get punished by that guy and you know, it's coming. Um, and there's really nothing you can do about it. So, um, you know, he's, he, he definitely has a big presence about him and, you know, over the course of an 82 game season. Yeah. Maybe he's not going to play, um, you know, maybe he's not going to play every game, but, you know, half the games, three quarters of the game, I, I think he can provide an intangible for your team um, that, that might be lacking elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think that if you see Clifford or Wayne Simmons hop over the boards, you're expecting that he's they, they are going to make the opposition accountable. Uh, when I see Aston Reese hop over the boards, I know that he's, I mean, he has the ability to shoulder hit you into the boards. Uh, he's, going, he's got puck skill. Uh, he's got finish on his hands. And, and, and for him, it's a question of what do you need me to do? I'm going to do it. So that, that makes everybody accountable too. I, I don't know much about uh, Albe Cobell, but, but I mean, that's what you need is that fourth line Line. They used to call it the energy line, but but I think in this case you might call it the accountability line. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what: if it's Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford, it's definitely the accountability line. If yeah. it's Zach Aston Reese and Holmberg and Obey Kubel, it probably is an energy line because that's the way those guys play. They pay they play a little more up, you know, higher pace, upbeat hockey. 
Um, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of the, the way the game is going. You know, we're, we're seeing that more with, with the fourth lines. It's, it's busier players who, um, who can obviously move really well. And that was the thing that I always, you know, caught my attention was, you know, some of the bigger guys that you see on the fourth line, some of those guys were the fastest guys on the ice. And that was a little, you know, that was intimidating. That was scary because you're seeing a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds. And his job out there is basically just to run you through the end boards and grab the puck off you and crash the net with it. And, you know, like they're, that's Wayne Simmons. That's Kyle Clifford. Um, you know, it's not everybody on the team. But, you know, as a guy who's playing against those kinds of players, it's, um, you know, it's not the easiest task to, to, to have to deal with every single night. Okay, a couple of points before we wrap up. And I'm just going to sort of wrap up the, the, the forward and, and blue line area of the team. I, th I think you would agree with me that if you went back a couple of years ago, this team was easy to play against along the boards. I don't think you'd say that now. Well, along the boards is a funny one, right? Because offensively and, and, and defensively, the, the main objective is to get the puck off the boards. And that's a big emphasis that the, the Leafs have is to not play along the walls, get the puck into the middle of the ice and establish, you know, establish your game there with the, you know, you have such high end skill. You're talking Marner, Matthews, Nylander. These guys all excel in the middle of the ice. But I, I think as time has gone on, the forward group has done a much better job of kind of protecting pucks against the wall and understanding when's the right time to take it to the middle of the ice. I think they've been guilty of kind of force feeding plays and, 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 you know, kind of feeding into the other team's transition game. And I think on the back end, you know, someone like Jake Muzzin does a lot of that grunt work. And, you know, when it comes to pucks on the wall, pucks below the goal line, that's kind of been his, um, you know, his territory to really excel with the team as well as, you know, his puck moving ability. But th the fact that you have a guy like Mark Giordano now who, has won a Norris Trophy and is such a well-rounded defenseman. Yeah, smart. He does a really good job along the walls as well, and that kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of Jake Muzzin. And and you know what you have with TJ Brody. You know what you have with Morgan Riley. These guys are are great puck movers. TJ Brody's such a steady player. Morgan Riley such a great offensive presence. So yeah, I, I would agree with you that they're doing a better job um, along the wall but they're also doing a better job of getting pucks off the wall and, and not force feeding them off the wall and leading into the opponent's transition game. Okay. Let's end on the goaltending because in the summer it was the elephant in the room. And so far we've seen really superb play out of Murray and Sam Sonoff. Uh, you know, Murray, I, I think sometimes you could worry about a, a reoccurring injury, uh, but, but really, uh, you know, these guys are uh, not a lot of movement, not a lot of lateral movements uh, square to the, the shooter, uh, with, without any uh, really uh, change in that. I mean, literally every play, they're, they're right there, aren't they? Yeah, and you know what? You, 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 ha you couldn't ask for more from these guys for, for the opportunities that they've gotten in the preseason. And listen, I think if it went south, we'd probably be talking about it um, in a little bit of a panic, but they've stopped the shots that they need to stop. And in fact, Matt Murray, um, in the last game against Montreal, stopped m shots that he didn't even... You know, he probably wasn't even expected to stop. He, he had yeah. a really good performance. And uh, I think that's, you know, when, when as a player, when you see that your goaltender is kind of square and pucks are hitting them and, you know, it, it, it just brings this feeling of comfort um, and, you know, this feeling that, okay, I can go play. Like this guy's pretty dialed in and, um, you know, 
you're you're going to give up the normal chances but you know if you just give up the normal chances that you know that that happen any game uh you're going to have a goaltender that's there that's there to stop shots for you so they've done a good job it's it's been a relief for the fans the players it is early right we haven't even gotten into the regular season but all signs point to these guys being in the right headspace and more importantly it, it, they look healthy Right. And, and that's been the biggest issue for Matt Murray, not being available right now. He's available and playing well. Frankie C. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right. Look at the split. Yes, guy, no guy. Let's end this this way. Yes, guy, no guy. Number one, training camp is a good sign. No guy, training camp means nothing. Come on. I mean, the regular season doesn't mean that much as we've seen, so let's not get caught up in that. Yes guy, no guy number two. The Leafs have more options than ever before. I'm going to say yes guy. I like the depth and the versatility of this roster up front. I like it on the blue line, and I like it in goal. So that's a firm yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number three. Robertson and Aston Reese. Oh, yes guy. These two guys add versatility on the left side, and that's a firm, I say that's a firm yes guy there. And the final yes guy, no guy, Mete on the blue line. Well, that's a yes guy too. I think there's a pleasant surprise there, and that is a nice upbeat story at this training camp. Well, hope you enjoyed Episode 3, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back next week for Episode number 4.